0: Thank you for tuning in to a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy! This week we're wrapping up our series that we've been calling Healing. And we're talking about healing and recovery from things almost all of us have experienced or will experience in life. Yet struggle to actually know how do we handle it? How do we get through it? How, what's the clear way to get through in the midst of this struggle. Things like failure, loss, sadness, and fear. How do you actually heal from those things? How have you healed from them in the past? How does God want you to heal from them? That's what we've been analyzing in this series by looking to the Bible and then I've also been consulting with a professional Christian counselor and seeing where the two intersect. This week, we're talking about healing from fear. Being scared, afraid, fearful, skittish. Do you remember like a show that was all about fear? Check it out once. Here's like... Ready for fear factor anybody like saying like I could accomplish all those things all right so uh why not why not I mean scripture says in Psalm 27:1, it says this the Lord is my light and my salvation so why should I be afraid so just don't be afraid okay sermon over done healing from fear right well, I hear that, I look at that scripture and I'm like, alright, I, I trust God's ways and future, but I'm pretty sure I do still have some fears. And I'm sure many of you do too. Even knowing and reading the scripture as a pastor, and I thought I'd just throw this one out there to you as well. I'm a black belt, so like, I should like not be afraid of things, right? I still have real fears fear at times, and I don't like what it does to me. There's always seems to be the situation, this past, this person, this pain, this hypothetical possibility or past experience that haunts and instills fear in me. How about you? What's it for you? Uh, For me, I I have some real fears, some that maybe will come across silly and some that I bet you you can relate with. Uh, Growing up, anyone who looked like this, the Hocus Pocus ladies, Freaked me out. Uh, I, it just was like scary. Even though it's a Disney movie, anytime I see like this person someone that looks like that, I'm like, ah! Like, I will never be watching Hocus Pocus. My child will never be watching Hocus Pocus. Uh, Whose parents would ever let them do that? Anyways, <laughs> that's just my opinion. Honestly, though, some Halloween decorations freak me out. Maybe Halloween costumes freak you out, and that's why you're at the 9 o'clock service instead of the 10.30. Creatures that sometimes emit creepy freak me out. Snakes, spiders, bugs, rats, even, like, mice. Ugh. Uh, I don't think I've ever had a bad experience with them, but they just catch me off guard. And I'm like, oh, you know, like you kind of do that jump. To get a bit more serious... I was robbed once uh, and that was scary. I was in college, I was buying this, this used camera that was clearly stolen and I somehow got duped into the scam and I, I wanted my money back. Well this woman, she had big eyelashes and that's like what I remember. This woman like came up to me and she's give, only giving me like half my money back and uh, like, I, it was like a $200 item. She only gave me half and I was like, I have this fear and all of a sudden I'm like, no, I need, I need all my money before I give you the camera back. And all of a sudden her boyfriend shows up and he's this huge, dude, huge dude, and now it's me and these two people, and like, where I'm holding on the camera, and I'm like, and all of a sudden, he's throwing a punch at me, and I'm like, kind of block, I'm blocking everything, I didn't get hit, but all of a sudden, like, I'm like, what am I doing for this $200 item? Like, you could have a gun, it could be like, weird, there's, anything could happen, and I started to freak out, and I just kind of let it go. I let it go, because honestly, I didn't want serious injury, and I didn't want, I couldn't, I didn't know how to predict craziness, right? This person was kind of crazy, you can't, I like predicting things, and you can't really predict crazy, right? You can't, you just can't. So I'm still a little afraid, because it happened at a Wendy's, I'm a little afraid of Wendy's, I'm a little afraid of big eyelashes, Uh, so no offense if you have big eyelashes, it's just a personal experience, I just might be a bit afraid of you. Uh, I have a fear of losing control, control of time, body, my my appearance, ability. And finally, I I have plain old fears of just maybe not having enough money or what the future could bring or what could happen if this one thing happens or fears for my family's health and safety, uh, fear for a big change. These aren't me. But what about you? Do you fear things sometimes? People, things, experiences, changes, circumstances, uncertainty, the future? Well, we're going to look at Scripture and see what we can do to combat fear, to heal from it, to not be so afraid, and to live bravely. And in order to do so, we're going to look at this time in the Bible— where someone was this strong, mighty person, what I see as fearless, a fearless type of person. to so then all of a sudden being completely scared and then having to go on this journey of healing again. It, it's the story of Elijah is what we're going to look at. A little bit of background context you need to know about Elijah is Elijah is an Old Testament prophet. Uh, he's right up there with like Moses and Jesus. It's like Elijah's, or Elijah is kind of like the next one in line there. Like he's a big deal. Well, he's a prophet, and prophets were these people who had this connection with God, and they would help direct God's people, well, to help get them back on track. And since many times God's people were off track, what he would say or what he would advocate for was very weird and very different than what people were doing. And the prophets came across as pretty weird and had to be pretty confident in what they would say as they would literally tell people, you're wrong, do this. Or, doing, or tell people, you're doing things incorrectly. Stop doing that. Anyways, he does this, and he goes through a lot, a lot of trials in that. And he lives pretty bold as this prophet, telling people off, kings off even. But not just with big things, with little things, we can see how he handles fear. His story starts in 1 Kings 16, and we're going to kind of look at the story of Elijah. Elijah, he, he lives during a famine, a time where kind of need others right you need resources you need stuff well God tells him hey I want you to leave society go on your own and he says this in first Kings sixteen two. then the word of the Lord came to Elijah leave here turn eastward and hide and hide in the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan you will drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there you're going to eat from a raven do you know how a bird feeds its young That's disgusting. That's like fear factor challenge number one that he just accomplishes, right? Like crazy. Well, after some time, the Lord came to Elijah and he says this, Go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present present himself to Ahab. Well, Ahab is this king of the time and he's married to this woman named Jezebel. And she is known as this prophet killer. This mean, probably big eyelash type of woman. But Elijah goes anyways. He goes anyways, and when they meet, uh, Ahab and Elijah meet, this is their dialogue. Ahab says, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. A little more background. Baal, the reference here, is kind of a reference in the Bible to any false god that someone would be following. Well, this meeting of 850 people and Elijah happens. Can you imagine that? You and 850 other people. Crazy, right? Well, it happens. And what happens is it says, Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Like, who is this dude, right? He's ballsy. He's like, he's calling out 850 and it's just him. He's just like, who are, decide right now. Decide what you want to do. Well, then it says this. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bowls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on wood, but not set it to fire. I will prepare the other bowl and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call in the name of your God, and I will call in the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. So it's this battle your God's, we're going to see if your God can bring fire, and I'm going to see if my my God can bring fire. Well, if you got the email this week, and you had a few extra minutes, you maybe read this, you read this story. Um, If not, or you're busy, no worries, I'll get you caught up real quickly. Baal prophets, they go first. You see, nothing happens for the Baal prophets. Nothing shows up, no fire, and you know what Elijah does while this is happening? He mocks them, He mocks them, like, again, pretty bold dude. Like, it says this. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is God. Perhaps he's deep in thought, or busy, or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. Other other translations of the Bible say he's relieving himself. Like, he's mocking them. Well, nothing happens. And then it's Elijah's turn. And long story short, God shows up by fire. Elijah defeats and gets rid of the 850 prophets. Can you imagine winning 1v850? You're feeling pretty good, right? You're feeling like, I am the champ. I am the boss. Like, what can stop you now? Well, shortly later, the king goes and tells his wife, Jezebel, what happens. It's 1st King 19.1. And it says, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. You know how Elijah responds to that message? He cowers. He flees. 1 King 19, 3, 4, it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. He went all the way to a mountaintop, the same place where Moses met God. And I want just to pause there for a second once. Have you been there before? Like doing something so courageous for God, so big. But then this one thing makes you power. One thing makes you nervous about the whole thing. Well, while there on this mountaintop, the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah, says God. And he replies, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. The Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rock before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, and the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, meaning he sees God, he's experiencing God, and stood at the mouth of the cave. God is showing him here, just like it takes being brave and massive God-like power to defeat 850, the big, powerful, intense stuff, God's showing him that he's also in the quiet. He's in the little. He's in the lonely. He's in the fearful situation. If you listen, God is in the whispers. God is present and wants to be relied on then too. Well, after this all happens, God asks him again, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And Elijah still misses it. So finally, God says this. Go back the way you came and anoint a king. Anoint Elisha to succeed you as a prophet. And, I, and no, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, meaning there's more people than you think, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Basically saying, you're not alone. Choose to be brave, for I am with you in the big and the small battles. So Elijah returns, not fearless, but brave, right? Experiencing God in the big and the little, and he commissions a new prophet who does amazing things for God. He tells off Ahab, that king of the time. And he says his wife, Jezebel, and himself are going to die this, like, brutal death. He go, the story goes that Elijah, he continues to be honorable to God and is taken up in a whirlwind to be with God forever. But in this story, we see Elijah accomplishes big things, right? But then this little thing trips him up. I got to pause there once, like, and just kind of, like, chuckle at this. Like, Scripture and I align on one thing, scary women. Right Like Elijah and I, we both are a little nervous about like women. I'm thinking she, Jezebel maybe had big eyelashes. I don't know. Yet eyelashes are not. He has to overcome fear, which is what we're learning on how to heal from today. So before we analyze some of the specifics that Elijah did to actually overcome his fear, I want to just Bible nerd out with you for one more minute on the fear Jezebel, uh, the fear of Jezebel that Elijah had. If you've been in the church world, you, you've probably have heard Jezebel is like this horrible woman people say, don't be a Jezebel. But to be honest with you, I'm a pastor. I don't really know what that meant. Like, don't be a Jezebel. Like, what does that mean? So I thought you'd maybe want to know a little bit more too about her. Honestly, there isn't a lot about her in scripture other than she was out to kill God's prophets and did actually. She's married to kind of this pushover type of king. Uh, there's one story where this king, Ahab, he wants a vineyard and tries to buy it from the owner. But the guy doesn't want to sell. So he goes back sad and Jezebel says this to him, 1 Kings 21:7, Are you the king of Israel or not? Jezebel demanded. Get up and eat something and don't worry about it. I'll get you Naboth's vineyard. So she sets the owner up to be stoned so they can have a vineyard. That's pretty nasty. The things women do for wine, Right too soon i'm just kidding Um, but she's nasty right she's nasty and others know it too elijah before he leaves says to ahab her husband and he says that they're going to be eaten by dogs because of their ways both him and jezebel well ahab the king he mourns this and repents to god so god spares him this brutal death well jezebel not so much yikes right the last main reference to Jezebel is a futuristic reference uh, of another woman compared to Jezebel in Revelation, the, end, the last book of the Bible. And she's referred as a person who leads churches astray. It says this in Revelation 2.20. But I have, I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. Anyways, Bible nerd out over on Jezebel. But you can see she's probably pretty scary, right? She's probably pretty scary. With all this, though, Elijah goes through this intense, empowering moment of defeating prophets, 850 of them, too afraid of this one woman, like so afraid he wants to die, leave, flee, avoid it, wish it away. Have you been there? Have you thought that? I know I I have. So what really did Elijah do, think, or experience to overcome and heal from his fear? Because I don't know about you, but I have fears that I want to overcome too. Well, the first thing we can see is pretty clear. The first is this: know you have God with you. Know you have God with you. I don't know about you, but whenever I find myself doing something big for God, the little things after instills fear. It just does. I've had times where, like, I'll be like teaching, and there's like, hundred people, like, they're like, and they're all like, "Wow, thank you. Like, uh, that's that's moving. I'm growing. Like, thank you." And then one's like super critical, and like, "Ah, I don't like what you said there." Eh. No, nah, that was not good at all. You know, it's just super critical. The whole thing's a sham. I've had times where I put myself out there and share my faith with someone, and it's like, I did it, yes. And then I leave feeling I didn't use the right words. Or I've had times where I'm making this conscious choice to, to give more, serve more, be there for someone, commit, and then I literally, I experience the pushback. Like, oh, all of a sudden we give more, and all of a sudden, oh, I need new breaks. Ah. Oh, the babysitter canceled right after I commit to going to this thing. Or right after I committed, I, I start doubting. Doubting whether it's a good choice. It's like this amazing step we take is this high, but something little instills fear. I feel that's the same with Elijah. He did this amazing honorable thing for God, but instantly is doubting because of one woman's response. So he flattened his fear. But when he did, he was reminded of God's presence. His presence in not just big, but the whispers and restored confidence. Now, in this exact situation, should Elijah have like, never feared and just marched right up to address Jezebel? Well, that sounds kind of scary, right? And in my opinion, kind of dumb, right? To go to the prophet killer like on a whim. Don't be dumb. That's probably not the best choice. But in your high, in your win, your overcoming of a fearful situation, celebrate, celebrate. But then when the little things come, instead of your fleeing, you go to God. You go to God for motivation, guidance, protection, reassurance. Isaiah 41 10, it says this, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Elijah was reminded of this and then overcame his fearful situation. For you, as you face your own fears, do you remind yourself God is with you? Do you remind yourself that you have a God who wants the best for you. It doesn't mean you freely choose stupid or risky or neglect. But remind yourself you have a God who created the universe but also is personally connected to you. Go to him in your highs and your lows, the big and the small. The second thing we can see Elijah does is he chooses to be brave. I know this sounds so easy, but Elijah knows God's with him through listening for God and being calm by the voice, a whisper, but then chooses to be brave. All over scripture, the Bible tells us to be strong and courageous. As in implying bravery, it's an act of the will. It says this in uh, Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. It's a choice. It's a choice. Are you choosing to be brave? This is a little bit silly and totally embarrassing Uh, And it's something going to make me sound like a major wuss, but I'm telling it anyways. Recently, I've had to choose to be strong and courageous at home. It was late one night. I'm laying in bed. I was probably doing just like some computer stuff. And all of a sudden, I hear scurrying. Little feet. Not child's feet. Little feet. (laughs) Yay. Shh, don't tell my wife this. Don't tell Sydney this. She won't want to live in the house anymore, but we've had a mouse, or two-ish, or three-ish. <laughs> well, growing up, it would be like, well, that sucks, mom and dad. Take care of that, right? Or like renting, you'd be like, sorry, landlord. Like, we got, we got mice here. Take care of it. Oh, I feel so good to be a renter at, back in the day, right? Well, in home ownership, the situation is between my wife, Sydney, and myself. It's like, if I don't take care of it, she has to. One of us has to, or the other, right? Or otherwise, it just festers. So who has to take care of it? Of the two of us, who do you think has to take care of it? Me. Me. This maybe sounds, makes me sound like less of a man, though. But just like Sydney doesn't want to deal with it, I don't really want to either. I don't want to take care of a mouse either. I don't really like dealing with mice. They're kind of nasty and honestly kind of scary when they, like, creep up on you. Or, like, all of a sudden, ah, you see a dead body. Ah, you know, like, you're, you're, you're scared. And women out there who can relate to my wife, I just want to let you know, there are some guys who are like me and are like freaked out about it. There are some who are like, whatever, dead mouse, ha, yeah, I got it, they'll take care of it. You got a lucky one, all right? For example, that's my father-in-law. I was asking for advice on how to handle this, and this is how he responds. He sends me a text. I'm like, what would you do? Like, I got a couple. Like, how do you get rid of it? He's like, ha. And I'm like, do I really reuse the traps? And he's like, ha, 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 you crack me up. It's only a mouse. Probably as clean as Willow, my dog. Gee, thanks, father-in-law. If he's over and I tell him there's mice, he's like, sweet, let's get them. You know, like he's excited about it. Now, that's not me. That's not me. There are some people like me who just don't wanna do it just as much as maybe you don't. But in handling it, as silly as it sounds, there's a choice to choose bravery or paying someone, right? I could do that too. Well, I chose bravery, even in reusing traps, Yeah, right? For all you women out there who take care of mice or people who overcome, I see you. It's an act of the will. You have to choose bravery to defeat Fear. Sure, God is with you. He gives you more than, more. Um, he's with you. He gives you more confidence. But you will still have to choose bravery. It's still a choice you have to make. Now, I know saying, just choose bravery, like Elijah did, it's kind of a cop-out, right? I don't want to just say, like, just choose bravery. So I want to give you some, four questions that you can ask yourself to help you be brave, actually, to help you choose to be brave. The first one is this. What am I driven by? Ask yourself the question, what am I driven by? Ask yourself, like, Am I driven by my desire or driven by fear and my choices? I personally, I desire a house without little creatures. But I fear taking care of them. So which one am I driven by? It translates in other areas too. We desire relationships, right? But fear of talking with others sometimes makes you leave without ever trying to talk with someone. We desire closeness, but fear sharing close details. We desire to share who God is but fear of talking about something too touchy or that could maybe cause like conflict. We desire change, but we're afraid of uncertainty. What drives your life, the fear or desire? One of the books I read as part of this series It's called Hello Fears, Um, it's by Michelle Poehler. Um, Here's a picture of the book. It's not necessarily a Christian book, but she was part of the Global Leadership Summit, which is something we hosted here. It's a Christian leadership event. Um, And she talks about overcoming fears and her conscious choice to defeat fears for 100 straight days. She realized she was driven by fear and wanted to change that. So she documented her 100 days in addressing a fear that she had every day. Here's a little clip of it and then we'll talk about it a bit more. Hope when you take that jump you don't feel the fall. Hope when the water rises you build a wall. Hope when the crowd screams out, you're screaming your name Hope if everybody runs, you choose to stay Hope that you fall in love and it hurts so bad Is anybody an Oyster fan? (laughs) Well, she wrote a book about all of her fears and overcoming it and some of the things she learned, which is where some of these questions come from. But as you think about yourself, are you driven by fear or your desire, and specifically your desire to be God-honoring? Another question to ask yourself when choosing bravery is, do I need to let go of control? If you control everything or only do things that are in your control, you never need bravery, right? But the more we try to control of, take control of everything in our life, the less we're able to actually experience it. Are you living a life only of control with fearful restriction or willing to give up some control? The third question you can ask yourself is, am I choosing to be brave or pretending to be fearless? There's a difference, right? There's definitely a difference. God... There's a difference in it, and in the fact that God knows that we're going to fear. So again, we have to choose bravery. Being or acting fearless is hiding the bravery inside you. It's, it's, it's hiding the, the bravery you do inside, not hiding your fear. It shows the real you, the authentic you. And in taking action shows courage. It shows bravery. Imagine how the two inspire differently. As part of the series, I've consulted with a Christian counselor, and she said that one of the ways she helps people deal with trauma or who have, like, a fearful situation is she has them tell the trauma or or the story over and over again to seven different people, she said. Just call your friends. Call your friends. Tell them the story. And she has them do this to both face the fear and to overcome it. Now, imagine what it does for the person telling the story But then also, imagine what it's doing for the person they're telling the story to, right? It makes you brave, but it's also showing bravery. Do you know what bravery inspires? Do you know what fearlessness inspires? It's different. I think for myself, like, as a man, I want to come across as, like, this fearless person. fearless. I'm not, though. I'm not. But thinking about it as a parent, being fearless, what does that show my daughter? I have a a little one and a half year. What does that show my daughter, being fearless? Daddy's amazing, yay, daddy's amazing. Showing fear, but being brave? What does that show my daughter? Daddy's courageous, daddy's courageous. Showing fear, but being brave is important. Which one is is better for my daughter to see in the long run? I mean, she could probably milk the fact that I would do anything for her, whenever, forever. But for real, what is going to help her in the long run? courage, right? Seeing courage. Michelle Poehler, she mentioned how she was so, the writer of this book, how she was so fearful of things growing up and then used to think, if I were a boy, is what she said, I would have been bullied for things, for being so fearful of different things. Thank God for making me a girl, is what she said. But then she researched and she realized men and women typically have the same amount of fears and she realized that she was just kind of being sexist and cowardly, is what she declared of herself. She decided that being a woman and facing her fears means she gets to empower women to succeed and lead by action. Because being a girl was not an excuse to stay in her comfort zone, but a reason to get out and be brave. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? If we go back to our Bible story, what if God is wanting Elijah to be brave? Not just this fearless prophet, but to show bravery to others around. The last question you got to ask yourself is, when you're choosing bravery, is ask what's the best that could happen. What's the best that could happen? Instead of planning for the worst, ask what's the best that could happen in facing this particular fear. It will help you choose bravery. Again, Elijah, he chooses bravery to return back and inspire more prophets to tell off Jezebel. And people obviously knew he fled God in fear as we're reading about it today, right? So we see he didn't have a fearless fakeness to himself. He was brave. Are you choosing to be brave? Are you choosing it? The last thing that we can see that Elijah uh, does to overcome fear is he knows he's not alone. You're not alone in your fear. Elijah was reminded that he's not the only one. God has more. It says this, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal. He was reminded of this. He felt alone, but God assured him he is not. Know that that demon, that fear, whatever it is that you're going through, you're not alone. There is nothing new under the sun. God has seen it all. And there are people who have healed from this fear in the past that can help you overcome. You're not alone. You can be connected to a church community, a life group. uh, Online even, there's so many different ways you can connect with people to overcome fear. So as we wrap up today, what do you need to do to heal from fear? Is it knowing you have God with you? Is it choosing bravery and asking questions to verify? Or is it knowing you are not alone? Elijah is an amazing example of this, right? But an even greater example is Jesus. When Jesus was about to die on the cross, you can see he didn't put up this fearless fakeness as he went about it. In Luke 22, 44, it says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like the blood falling to the ground. Like, he's nervous. He sweat blood, he was praying intensely, and he was crying out to God. But he realizes God's with him and continues to choose bravery, to go through a beating and, de- and to death, to defeat a, de- a fear that I think many of us deal with. Pain, death, suffering. Literally, he did it for us. And he chooses to be brave. And his bravery shows us that we too can overcome these fears with him. And that overcoming can be worth it for us. If you have never accepted that fact before, that Jesus has done this for you and that God wants to not only be with you in your life, but also help you be brave and overcome more fears, tell him you want that. Just tell him you want that. Tell him you're not perfect and you want his help and guidance. But then some of us have already done that, have already said that to God. I'm also gonna uh, pray in a second here that God helps us be brave, to be more brave instead of just fearless about the things that we face in life. Would you pray with me right now as I pray for one of those two groups? Dear Heavenly Father, some of us here right now, uh, we've never said that we want your guidance. We want your, your help. Help us be brave. We see Jesus is brave, and we want, we want that alongside of us. We want to know that God's there with us. So, God, would you give that to us? We want a connection with you. We want a relationship with you. And then, God, some of us uh, right now are saying, God, we have these fears in our lives. God, help us overcome them. Help us get past these fears. Help us be brave, and then help us choose bravery. In your name we pray, amen.